Hey there. Welcome to Sobertown Podcast. I want to invite you to visit the wonderful world of sobriety. You can visit our website, which is SobertownPodcast.com. This is where you can find sober tools for your sober toolbox, such as Todd's blog on how to successfully manage alcohol triggers and cravings. We also post the Rewired Podcast and the schedule for Zooms. This is where you can find all these beautiful recovery stories that we all share from our heart of our hero's journey. We also have a Facebook community, Sobertown Facebook. I want to introduce myself. My name is Viv. Some of you know me as Sober I Thrive on the I Am Sober app, which we warmly know as IAS. The I Am Sober app is a daily counter that you can download in your app store. It's easy. It's free. And that's where we all met and we contribute to SobertownPodcast.com. On there, there's a community button where we can create community and connection. In addition, I'm a sober recovery coach certified in Roots of Addiction, the joys of sober recovery, and the neuroscience of addiction. I'm also a certified life coach. All you have to do to take advantage of a complimentary call with me for 30 minutes is send me your email. And you can send this email to viv at soberithrive.org. All it takes to change your life is to take the first step and schedule your confidential, complimentary call. Everyone needs a sober cheerleader. And with the SoberTownPodcast.com, we can help create the sober warrior within you. Good morning. I have three special guests that we know from the I Am Sober app today that we warmly know as IAS. We all are doing this as volunteers, sharing our stories of recoveries, triumphs, trials, and tribulations through alcohol and how we've managed to ride the waves even through the storms. This podcast is dedicated to It's Just Chris that inspired me to talk about it and debunk some of the lies about the big thaw. So originally there was a big thaw that I did with my sober coach, Heather. Currently there's a big thought too. And as Shiki, which is one of our guests, warmly coined it, welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> so good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I have Shiki on here. Shiki, if you would like to introduce yourself. Hey, Liv, it's nice to see you. Yeah, well, I'm Shiki. Obviously, we all met on the IAS app. I'm currently on 21 months. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Yay. We welcome here. Ash is here. Introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm Ashley. Ash is here on the app. I hit nine months sober yesterday, so I'm super excited about that and happy to be here again. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, Ashley did her recovery story recently. So we, you ladies and gentlemen listening, please go back and listen to her sober recovery story. Very amazing, very heartfelt, and very real. And last but not least, my beautiful Jen. Jen, please introduce yourself. Hi, guys. I'm Jen. I am growing in grace and gratitude on the app. I used to be better for my family or for my Sam, but changed it. So you can find me there. And you're, you just turned nine. Oh, nine months. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So we're, we've got three different points of views other than my own. And the reason for that is I felt that not everybody's experience is the same. Not, not every person has the same type of body. Not every person has the same type of brain. So in order for us to debunk, it was my quest to gather as many different ideas and, you know, gender to be able to share with us the stories of what we've gone. So we're all in different timelines, all in different group, you know, ages and so on and so forth. So I hope 
my prayer is that at the end of this podcast, you can survive the big thought too, which is just honestly, just your brain is healing and welcome the bliss, welcome the joy, welcome the love as we were meant to live a a life awakened. All right. So who shall go first? I'm going to go ahead and pick Shiki. Right. What do you want to know? Where my pick for a side? When it started, how long did it last? And what was the experience like? Okay. So going on to the, uh, the magic pink cloud, as we all call it. I mean, that when that feeling comes, it's just, you know, you, you're flying. You're, you're feeling so good. It's, you know, it's, it comes around about three months. And I've realized now that that's the period when the part of your brain that produces dopamine is fully repaired. And that's when it's just shooting out dopamine for fun. And you're not used to it. And your happiness and your well-being is just off the chart. From around about sort of like 80 days, I suppose, 90 to 100. And I remember just feeling so good. And I thought that was it. I thought this is it, me for life. That's how I'm going to feel all the time. And it got to me around about, about 100, I don't know when it was, 112 days. I just started to feel a little bit lower. And I actually started withdrawing from IAS community a little bit because I thought I cracked it. I mean, mate, I've been sober for five minutes, but I was like, you know, I, but, but I thought I'd done. I thought I was done. I thought I knew everything there was to know about sobriety and addiction and alcohol. I thought I'm finished. I don't need any more help now. You know, I'm, I'm done with it. So I started withdrawing from the app slightly. I wasn't really connecting with people. I wasn't really checking me out. I wasn't really, you know, connecting with like the stores, et cetera. Didn't need it. And then around about 112 days, it was just starting to feel a bit low. And then I started to struggle again. Like it was sort of in the first few weeks, I started to have that struggle. And the thoughts were coming to my mind. The voice was there. Come on, you can do this. Have a drink, you know. And I was starting to fight again. And I was just feeling not depressed, but just it felt like the fight was starting again. I was, I was definitely off the cloud for sure. I was coming down low. And basically, I just couldn't handle it. I just couldn't handle. From being so high, I couldn't handle the low. Um, and I thought this was just me. I thought only I was going through this. You know, I didn't understand the process. I mean, I wish I could have had the opportunity back then to listen to a podcast like this to realize that it's natural that we all go through it. But I, I didn't realize. I, I didn't understand it. And to be quite honest, I just couldn't handle the load that came my way. And on 119, this lasted for seven, for seven days. And on 119 days, I finally gave in. It was torture. It was mental torture. I wanted my happiness back. I wanted to be back on that happy level. And the only way I could do that was by picking up. I thought by, by picking up, I'd be happy again. And bearing in mind, the reason I was so happy in the first place was because I wasn't drinking. <laughs> so I thought that my medicine, <laughs> get me happy, would be my drink. Right. So I picked up. I picked up, it's 119 days, I picked up, and I, and I drank, I mean, quite heavy, really, but only my normal drinking to what it was. So it was on a Sunday, and I drank for the whole day, I wouldn't say the whole day, the whole afternoon, red wine and whiskey, and that's, that's not a good mix. And the next day, you know, yeah, exactly right, I've seen you shaking your head. And <laughs> the, the, the next day, mate, I just could not believe how bad I felt. And I'd only drank what I normally would have drank on a Sunday before, to be fair. But I would have normally got up the next day and gone to work. Actually, the, the next day was a bank holiday Monday, which is part of the bargaining, which is why I drank. My boy said, come on, it's bank holiday Monday next day. You can, you can do this. So but I couldn't believe how bad I actually felt. And I, I couldn't believe I'd actually taken this feeling for granted for so long. That this, was, this was a normal feeling for me 119 days ago. And then to be, have 119 days sobriety, and then be dropped back into that mindset again and that feeling of awful, you know, shit. I couldn't believe it. So it was a lesson learned and I got straight back on the wagon. I, I got straight back on. And it wasn't a binge. I didn't carry on drinking. I you know, I just got struggled. Fuck that shit. I ain't doing that again. I'd rather be a little bit low from the pink cloud and carry on my life rather than going back to that shit. So that was me. But yeah, because I, I didn't have any warning that it was coming. It came. And I couldn't deal with it. You know, I think that that is very prevalent of a thought. Had I not had the experience with a sober coach, which helped me to go back to ask without, for whatever reason, 
on the app, it, it was shame that I was going through. I'm life is beautiful. I'm not waking up, you know, unhappy. I'm not in blackouts anymore. And I'm, you know, writing that pink pony that we got, that we have, right? Pink pony, the, the pink cloud. And then all of a sudden, what at a hundred days for me, which I was in celebration mode, I was telling it, you know, like you said, I'm cured. I got it all. It's all under control. And doing wearing that crown. And then all of a sudden, how the fuck do I come out and tell everybody on my head, I am fucking depressed. Mm. And I hit, you know, I called up my sober coach bawling. It was a, it was a howl in me. And now in what she says, she told me, oh, Viv, I told you the big thaw was going to hit. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And I was like, how the fuck do I know what the big thaw is? And she goes, your brain is healing. You're just feeling emotions. Nobody dies of feeling. And I just wanted to flip her off. <laughs> you know, thankfully she was just across the phone. I, I had some sort of, I, I, needed, I needed this woman in my life. She was my sense of direction. So she goes, ask around in your app and see if anybody's feeling the same way. And I did. And everybody was feeling the same way. And it almost allows us, and it had, Chef 56 came back and said, Viv, this is normal. It is very normal, and you need to watch your thoughts. You need to just ride the wave and not fight it. And it felt like, it at the moment, it felt like the worst thing, and, and it did feel like cravings, like I wanted to pick up because I wanted to numb myself, which is all I knew for the past 105 days was good but before that all I knew before that was what do I do when I feel feeling because my past my future my future my past my sideways my left ways I didn't know what was going to happen and part of it I was future tripping and future tripping is the friend of the addict because if I can trip over what's the what if of the future and I can worry about that enough and blow it out of proportion. It gives me enough ammo to the addict brain that is doing push-ups in the corner for me to relapse. And these were all things that were explained to me, thankfully, by that woman that had gone through it and was, you know, now my sober coach and coach and is now my friend. Well, she was my friend all the way through. But yeah, had I not had her, I probably would have relapsed. It seemed like a normal experience. So I wanted to go into Ash and see her experience, listen to it. And then we're, we'll all come together after Jen and we'll discuss a little. So how was yours, Ash? So I started my, I guess, sober curious journey in 2019. So I can relate to some of what Shiki was saying because I would get to that point of like two months, three months, a couple times, and then the emotions would come flooding back and I would say, fuck this. <laughs> I want to feel good again. And I'd go back to my medicine, my happy medicine, and then crash and burn, of course. So I did that a few times and realized that wasn't quite working for me. So this last sober streak, I really started building my sober community more. And I think that's why when you guys were talking, I was thinking that it's so important to build that sober community in the first couple of months. So as you're going through these things, you have people that you can talk to, people who are ahead of you timeline-wise. What was this like for you? Because that was something that was so huge for me this last time. Listening to Viv's first Big Thaw podcast was so helpful for me because I knew what it was. I heard Viv talk about it. I knew I, I was a little bit prepared for that this time. And I knew that I had a friend in Viv to talk to when it was when I was going to reach that point. And I was involved in my Telegram group at that point too. So I had people that I could talk to that went through it that were maybe going through it at the same time. 
And that was super important for me. So this time around, I went through it, I would say like about maybe day 80, maybe like two and a half months was when it started for me this time around. My grandmother passed away, actually. And when that happened, I could either go back to my medicine or I could just go through it. And I decided I was going to go through it. I relied heavily on my telegram group at that time. And I got through it. (laughs) And I knew that rush of emotions was going to come. I knew it was going to be intense. It was super intense. But I shared about it and I had people to support me. And not long after that, I was actually driving to work and they will remember this, but (laughs) I hit a poor, sweet, innocent deer (laughs) on my way to work and I lost it. I was outside of my car crying, bawling, crying. I cried about it off and on all day long, almost left work. I was so distraught. Thought about stopping for alcohol on the way home because it was just so intense. But again, I relied on my community and I had people that could relate to what I was going through. I remember at that time, just because you say that, she was very honest and open and said openly, I'm really struggling here. And, you know, it was the passing of her grandma. Also, it, it just it was like a trifecta storm of what happened of emotions at that moment, if you will. And I remember Ashley being very honest and telling me, I don't know if I can endure this. And I think at that point, I sent her a little clip of Michael Goggin. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that's a really cool story. Yeah, I was actually getting ready to leave work. I guess I should mention on my, I have an hour commute and I pass four liquor stores <laughs> on my way home. So I was a little nervous about that after I'd hit the deer. So I let Viv and the other women know that I was nervous about my drive home. I didn't want to be stopping at those stores. And Viv sent me a video clip and it came in literally seconds before I'd be passing the last store on my route home. And right then and there, I said, nope, I'm going home. I can do this. And the video kind of talked about getting stronger each time that you're saying no to making that choice to go get alcohol. And that was something that was so empowering to me to look at it that way. Each time that I am choosing to not drink, I'm getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, it was that Michael Goggins, because we, we, we had a chat, we all chatted about those things of impairment. Mostly we chat about it just to enforce within each other and enforce within our community that it is you show up to the gym and just because you do it for 90 days it doesn't mean that you're already pumped up and you're ready to go for the rest of your life you got to keep showing up you know you might not show up for a week because you're uh, you're under the weather but it's the same thing the mind muscle is just strengthening and it just that that Michael Goggins that's what he talks about that when you tell your brain you're not going anywhere. You are sitting right here and you are going to force yourself to sit. Even I don't like it. I don't like the way it feels right now, but I, you know what? I've done everything else and I'm going to do something different. And when you choose to do something different, the brain just starts opening up compartments that you never knew you had. And it starts expanding. And it starts saying, and this is what he says word for word, the brain tells the heart and the the right side of the brain, which is our emotion, this motherfucker right here is not moving. So I have to find a way to basically cope with the heart and the emotion. Because now we know since the brain is, the brain literally is leaving the alcohol in 60 days. That is, that's the parameter. For some people, it's 60 days. For some people, it's up 120 days. I've even heard a little over. So it doesn't mean that it lasts 60 to 120. It just means that it can hit you somewhere in the 60 day mark, or as it can hit you in the 80 day mark, 100 day mark, 
And even, like I said, I think I've even heard 160. Why does the thaw of emotion happen that way? The reason the thaw of emotion happens that way is because <clears throat> our bodies are differently. How long we drink is, an, is a precursor. How much we drink, what we drink, all of those things. And now we know also scientifically based that it takes up to one year to come out of your organs. So if someone were to do an autopsy, God forbid, but if someone were to do an autopsy, they would find in your organs up to one year, 12 months, alcohol still in the body. But that has nothing to do with the brain. We're talking about organs. The brain is 60 days. And when that big thought comes, if we can, through this podcast, shed light that we are healing after all the sadness that is coming in, I am healing. I am feeling. And this is what I'm, this is what I'm meant to do is I am meant to feel and heal. And if I muted all of the emotions before, you know what? I'm going to feel it now because this is the way I was meant to live an awakened conscious life. The gentle <laughs> You're in, man. You're in. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. Love. You know what? That's what I, you know, we joke around with the girls and I tell them I'm sharing the gospel of sobriety. Your life, you know, before I knew it, I was not living. I was dead. I was dead. I was a dead person walking. So, you know, what? being able to inspire before I expire, that is my goal. But it's so true though with the healing, you know, again, there's things we don't even think about. When you first quit alcohol, we haven't got a clue about healing or the brain. I mean, like that, but it's so true. It gets better and better. I don't think it stops healing, really. I mean, I know it does, but it doesn't feel like it. I feel like I'm still learning all the time. And actually, what you said there was just like a perfect example. Because I, I always sort of compare sobriety or learn about sobriety to like a computer game. I say that sort of you can't go on to the next level until you complete the, the level that you're on. And when you said there that you was getting to like to 60 days, then you sort of picked up, then 30, then you getting to three months and you picked and you started going back, then you get to six, then you go back. You was going through the exact process there of getting to that level again, and then you eventually beat it, and then you got to the next level. And it just goes on. I, I always thought that it would stop. And at one point, I did think it had stopped. I didn't think I can go any higher. But lo and behold, bang, before you know it, you've gone up another notch, another level. It doesn't stop. As far as I'm aware so far, it just doesn't stop. Keep going higher and higher, and we keep reaching new levels. I think that brain is just healing all the time and getting stronger and stronger. Yes, yes, spot on. All right, Jen, your turn now, Miss Grace in gratitude. <laughs> so you're gonna, you're not gonna like me. I, I didn't have a a giant big thaw. Like I didn't. I've been a very emotional person, so I've always felt everything. <laughs> Alcohol didn't numb that. I was still feeling everything. What I had once I got sober, I had two things. I had one, I had somebody said early on that like wherever you are in your journey is where you wanted to be when you first started. So like, don't forget that. And I did not. Okay. I did not forget that. And the other thing that started happening for me is that I started having these little epiphanies, Okay, these things that started kind of making sense, kind of connecting, like, oh, huh, maybe I am like that. Oh, maybe I, I, maybe I do do that. Oh, maybe he's right when I, I don't mean to nag, but I do. And I just, that kind of kept happening and happening and happening. And I went to the Zooms in the beginning, but I didn't really love them. And I, I had a lot of insecurity in the Zooms. I didn't want to talk. I, I didn't know what to talk about. I didn't feel smart. I didn't feel intelligent. I didn't feel like I had anything to contribute. I just, I didn't like it. But I went because that's, I wanted to be sober. And then I found the Telegram group. And I really wasn't sure about that too. Viv, if I'm being honest, I kind of thought you were starting something and you were going to have us be your clients and make us pay you. <laughs> I'm not nervous. <laughs> And I love that. I want to give you my money. 
Anyway, no, I, I kept showing up. I kept coming back for the community because I knew I needed to be sober. I knew that I wasn't going to drink again because I couldn't. There was no point. It didn't make anything better. And I was over it. It was no joy, no fun, nothing. So I just kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And then slowly and slowly and slowly, there was just more connection. Even though I didn't do the Zooms, I kind of thought Zooms were the way that the connection, but that's not the only way. There's other ways. Absolutely. So anyway, I just kept showing up and showing up and the epiphanies kept getting bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger. And it just kept knocking down the walls that I had built up. And so in the time frame, so nine, nine months sober. So in the time frame, the 100 days was very important for me to get to. It was monumental. The 100 days meant something to me. And I felt if I could get to 100 days, then I can keep going. But then when I got to the 100 days and I did it, I was so excited. I would hit a wall and I would have my doubts, right? And then that's where the group would come in. And then that's where I would be vulnerable again. And then that's where I would have the connectivity. And then that's where the growth would happen. And then that's why I'm still here. <laughs> I mean, that's everything you said there is all part of the process that we've all been through. I mean, when you get that 100-day mark and you're there, you then hit the wall, you're going to your Zooms and you're up in your game. Because as Bib said, your addict voice is in the corner of the press-ups all the time. He ain't stopping. So we we'll just literally got up our game all the time. What you said there is exactly what I've done. And after I picked up 119 days, I said, right, I've got to sort this out. I've got to start getting stronger. And I then started, I've done my first Zoom about two days later. And then the Zoom to me took me on to another level. That, that level of connection, although we all connect on the app and via WhatsApp or Telegram, to actually see face-to-face connection on a regular basis. That got me through it. That pushed me to the next level again. But yeah, exactly what you said there. You've got to up, up your game. When you hit that wall, rather than collapse and fold and go back to drinking, you've got to up your game. You've got to up your game and fight stronger. And that's... That's what happens. That, that's how you get to surprises. Keep fighting. But yeah, bang on. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really important to say that I do see on the app and and I do make it a point to go back into those 60-day mark, even 20, 30 days. The It's not even a moderation monkey. It's a monkey on your back and people mm. can't, can't get past 30 days. So when they're in that 30-day loop, they'll drop but then what happens is you're just it's like restarting your car again the battery and it you know it's cold and it takes longer and you're doing it again and you get to your 30 days and then you're like it's cold but if you push through that that's craving there's a difference there's cravings then when you hit the 60 days the feelings may start coming in and like jen said so her experience was similar to my sober coach. Jen, she said, you know, I've always expressed my emotions. I've always been a big feeler. I've always, I've heard that, you know, time and time again. And what ends up happening, that's exactly how my sober coach was too, that people that tend to express their emotions and didn't bottle them up had them just trickle in because they were already used to expressing emotions and didn't need the alcohol to quite release them is so volatilely. Okay. So I, you know, I could totally understand she felt it. She didn't feel the connection on, on the Zooms, but what she went back to the telegram and she said, Hey, this is, I remember this so vividly. She came back very vulnerable and she posted a recording, I'm going through this right now, and I don't know what I can expect. And it was a lot of us cheering her on and letting her know it's going to be okay and phone mm. call, you know, given to her. And I always say that, that there's no one way to sobriety. You know, I personally went to Zooms, to be quite honest, on my 11th month of sobriety. The reason that I did that is because as Jen, I just, well, no, I felt that the Zooms was in the beginning. I don't know these people. I've never shared my emotions with anyone, you know, and I felt I'm going to be judged. If everyone's judged me in the past, my mother's judged me in the past. 
my, you know, colleagues at work have judged me in the past for being emotional. What can I expect about someone that I'm telling them my shit that's going on in my family, right? And they're going to be judgy. And I was judging them before they were even judging me. So because I had bottled up all my emotions for so many years and never, ever let anyone see me cry, that was just, that was the, you know, the way that my traditional family was. That's how my my mother showed me that nobody shows emotions. That's how I was grown up. You get up and you get on with your life. We were not crying about this. And so I didn't allow that. But that's why it hit me like a wall. Because the more I had so many emotions to push down, now it was a soda can being shaken up for so many days. And it was just waiting to explode all over me. I mean, I've, never been, I've never even thought before in my life about emotions or feelings or anything. I'm, I'm a bloke, you know what I mean? I didn't think about it. I mean, just go with the flow and get on with life. That's it. But since I've been on this journey, I've learned so much as well now. I've been taught a lot of things from the app as well, from the other people that, you know, further down the line than me, the Zooms, et cetera. And, it's, you know, it's, when that, that first emotion came on 112 days, when I was feeling so hard to come down to being so low, that's when you really do start to learn about things and emotions. Think, right, I've just got to deal with this now and swim with it. Because the emotions come and they go, you know. And when you're feeling low, you just got to ride it out, you know, just swim with that emotion, swim with that low feeling until it partly does pass. You'll eventually go and then you're back to where you are. So learning to cope with your feelings and emotions is, was a completely new experience to me. But once you do learn, as you said, Bibi, it's like having the flu. It's not going to last forever. And it's always the same. If you're in a sort of bad mood or depressed mood, it's going to change the next day. And I never even thought about that when I was drinking. I just, you know, the, well, the mood was pretty much all the same to be fair. But once you're on this journey, you've got to learn to sort of go with your feelings. And once you're in charge of your own brain, it makes it so much easier. It just, it is. It makes the, you know, because a lot of people we were talking about this. So it, let's say you hit that big thought, you feel your first feeling. And you're not accustomed to feeling. That's just the truth. You You may feel it trickle in like Jen did, you know, and it was all of a sudden, it really didn't hit her big, big, but now she was dealing with so many things that were un- unresolved and she was, you know, feeling them and, and working through them, but she had already been a feeler before she allowed herself that, you know, that, that bandwidth. But, and so then you have Ashley, which was kind of like I would we stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down. And then we rage once, you know. Over- <laughs> yeah. And I think that like growing up, my family was always like, we can talk about what's going on, but let's keep it in the family. Like we're not going to sh- share, let anyone else know these feelings or what's really going on. Like they don't want to hear about it. It's too much. So sharing with a community of people was a really new concept for me. Even sharing in therapy was new for me, but I needed a place to let all of it out and not just keep it inside. You found your people. I did. <laughs> I found my people. <laughs> <in> quad. <laughs> and it is, I mean, the, I mean, the community, the IAS, IAS community, and then the little sprinter groups, we'll find our own little people. It's, it's part of, you know, it's part of Learning and sobriety is is just a, a massive help. And both you, Jen and Ashley, I mean, you're lucky that you had people when you're first started to to warn you and tell you about it. I mean, I wish I had someone that could have explained to me on the sort of hundred days that Steve that that if I know you're feeling really good, but you might have a bit of a dip. I would, if someone just explained that to me on around about hundred days, I could have been sort of forewarned and knew it was coming. But all right, it's here. It's true. It does come. Then I could have rolled it out. But I didn't. It's just like, whoa, it just hit me. And so I've, I've currently got a, a friend of mine I'm helping at the moment. I'm sort of, I've been supporting her for a while. She's on, I think she's on about 15 weeks. So she's, what, 100 days there or thereabouts? And it's about 100 days ago. She, she nearly had like a teeny diet. She nearly drank herself to death. I've been helping her since Christmas on and off. Uh, but 100 days ago, she, like, she nearly died. It was that bad for drinking. 
she's now 100 days sober since that experience. She's like, she's, you know, she's got on the, on the wagon and she's doing really well. But now the transformation in her to where it was 100 days ago is, is like, it's a different lady. You know, we've all been now and only us can really tell a sober person generally because, I mean, she looks amazing. She, she's like, she's talking well. She's smiling. She's, she's got that laugh that we all know, that yeah. laugh that comes from inside. You know, she's joking. She's radiant. And she's really doing well in life. But I've said to her a couple of times this week, I said, look, just to warn you, you come to 100 days now, you might get a little dip. You might get a little low. And I just wish I had someone there to tell me that at the time. But well, I, was, well, I, was, I hope she can listen to this podcast before she gets that low. But yeah, I mean, the community is, again, is that what we all do together is sort of you, you learn and recycle and give back. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I think that's what's so important, though, is the milestones, right? That we have the milestones on the app and that in the beginning, they are so close together. And, you know, it really is important to celebrate those milestones because those victories, they mean something. You fought every day, you know, to get there. So, you know, I, I hate when I see that only one person got a like on a post or something like that. It's like, no, no, no. Like, let's celebrate everybody because we're all doing our best, you know? Like, everybody. Mm-hmm. We're all here. So, like, yeah, it's, you know. We have this running... all around. <laughs> <laughs> we have this running joke in our Telegram. And we say, I tell them that my new cross addiction is milestone. So everybody that celebrates them, it's like, hey, you celebrated them. What are you doing? Because that's also part of the triggers. A milestone, because when we when we drink, we didn't drink only because we were sad. We didn't drink only because we were angry. We didn't drink because we were just celebrating. We didn't drink because we were happy, mad. We went through all the seven dwarfs, right? And of emotions. And towards the end of the drinking career, if you want to call it, because it becomes a career, it's the center of your life. And now the brain is looking, okay, what am I going to drink about today? Ash puts it perfectly in her recovery story. I went home and I drank at people. (laughs) I sure did. (laughs) So it all becomes an emotion, one bundled up emotion of reason to drink. So even on the milestones, the thing is, this is a misconception too. Some people say, well, don't celebrate the milestones because that's going to throw you over the edge and it's going to trigger you. We had someone that in our group, and she's going to come and share her recovery story. Each milestone, it was an itch. And, you know, we'd have to talk her off of it. And I was like, dude, it's like every birthday that you have or every celebratory thing, what did you do before? Well, I drank. Okay, well, why do you think it's different now? The itch is going to come, you know? So what you're going to do is you're going to learn how to celebrate in different ways. How do we celebrate in different ways? What makes you happy? And yeah, go ahead. You have to reinvent your life. You have to... You know, you, you, it's learning to live again. You have to reinvent so many things in your life. Your social life, you've got to reinvent some things you just can't do anymore. You don't, you don't need to do them anymore. There's no point in doing them because you've got other things to do and go on with. But yeah, exactly right. It's, it's reinventing yourself. Yeah, I call it not recovery, but discovery. Yeah, 100%. 100%, 100% yeah. And it's small things. It's the small things in life as well. The simple pleasures you get out of simple things that you're never used to. But now you can do something so mundane and really enjoy it. Wow. Yeah, just, just so much more, more relaxed, calm and happy, full stop. Yeah, I know this was this one young lady that I was speaking to. And she said on one of her milestones, she basically went with a couple of friends that are also sober to the beach and watched the sunrise. It, yeah. it, it, you know? yeah, exactly right. And going, going back to the big four, because I don't want people to listen to this who are sort of like on 60 days and think, shit, I'm going to fall apart soon. You know, I don't want to think, oh no, what's going to happen? I'm going to absolutely like, hit the wall and get you. Know? 
it's, they might panic them a little bit. So I want to put things into perspective. If you can sort of gauge your happiness and well-being on a scale of one to ten, we go back to drinking. It's probably on a one or a two. Your happiness, you know, you might get an occasional three, but when you're drinking, I see you shaking your head in. You're on a one or a two if you're lucky. You know, you think you're happy, but you're not. So it's, that's when you're drinking. You're, you're down now. I'd say me now. Now that I'm on planet Earth, I'm a seven. You know, I'm a seven. Seven's good. If I get to an eight, an eight, an eight's good. Seven or eight, that's good. That's me happy, enjoying life. You do get to nines and tens. When something, when things are going well, and for no reason at all, sometimes you get out of bed, you just feel so good. You know, you're really good. You hit the nines for no reason. That's sobriety. That's that, 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 that dopamine pumping through your brain. You also, you, you live, you know, where it, where, it comes, where it comes from, you still get that. And you're on a nine for no reason. Then you do get your tens. When you sort of like, you know, you might go to a match, you go to a party, you see friends, you hit the tens. But I'd say, Generally, in everyday life, you're on a seven or an eight, and that's good. That's a good way to be. But when you're on that pink cloud, yeah, you bust through the scalp. You go on to like a 12, don't you? You punch through it. You're on a 12, and you're sort of like, you're flying high. You, know, you think you're never going to come down. But that's what's happened to people. When you're hitting that, that, that 90 to 100 days, when you're up there, don't think you're going to fall off and collapse back down to a one or a two. All you're going to do is have a correction and come back down to seven or eight, which is where we all should really be in life. Working every day, working on a seven or eight, but you know, you do get obviously better. But I don't want the people to think that coming up to the pink cloud ending, they're going to fall back to number two. Don't you're coming back to reality, just like and then learn to live with what you've got and enjoy what you've got, and also just be grateful for what we got. Better clear that up. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Thank you. No, it's absolutely true because I, I think, like you said, Shaki, time teaches us different things. And I used to realize, I used to, I, I recently realized that happiness is fleeting. You know, every emotion is fleeting. Happiness, sadness, moments that we have, that's living. That's an awakened life. Mm-hmm. What is more prevalent now, <clears throat> as I go through this and I speak to other people when you realize that peace, inner peace is where it's at. Oh, yes. That is, that, that is the, that's the shit, man. That, that's about 10, so about 11 months of me. But I thought that, I thought I was, I thought I had the inner peace and that calmness, which we all get and that content, happy feeling. But the real glow for me came around about 11 months, that real inner calmness, that real inner peace that like, you can't really explain a feeling better than that, really. So yeah. news to Jim and Ashley, you've got that coming soon. <laughs> it is, it is. It's so, it's so beautiful because things it may happen in life. And just to give a little bit of perspective, at probably I was at 14 months sober. I'm currently at January 17th is my sober date of 2021. So I am at about 20 to 21 months. I'm sorry. I don't count the days anymore because it's a lifestyle. And I, you know, I never want to say never is never. But as of today, as of this moment in my life, my conviction of sobriety is that much so. And I believe in the spoken word that I will never drink again. It killed me almost. And I'm lucky to be alive. So my detox was horrible and I didn't detox at a hospital because I didn't know I could die from detox. I decided to yeah, I did. in a hotel in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that I couldn't believe what I found out. It's unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, I we not talking about this, right? Yeah. I, I literally had a seizure when I was detoxing on day three. I thought I was fine too, because I felt fine. And then I, was getting some exercise and it just brought on a seizure. It just goes to show the power of the drug that it can kill you once you consume it, for sure. We all know that. But it still has the ability to kill you when you stop taking it. That's how strong, you know, people don't realize. The socially accepted drug, but people don't realize how strong it is that it can still actually kill you when you stop taking it. So, you know, my thing was I was shaking. My end thing was I, I was shaking 24 hours a day. My head, my hands were shaking. And then I was still downing tequila. 
24-7. And I was like, this is not good. But towards the end of that, I I am not knocking AA. For me, AA in LA, Los Angeles, wasn't, I just didn't feel comfortable. And it was, I went with a colleague. I went with a coworker and he's a great guy, but I just didn't, it wasn't for me. I didn't feel comfortable. Maybe another AA meeting and I would have been all in because you got to, it's like shoes. You got to try on different shoes, right? But since again, Viv is very, she doesn't cry and she doesn't show emotions. My way of getting sober was I needed to speak to a sober coach. If I could use a coach to go to the gym, a trainer, or if I could get a coach for a kid's baseball, then I'm sure I can find a fucking coach to help me get sober. So that was my quest. And I found this woman and I read her blogs and I thought if she can get down and dirty and tell me about her experiences without shame, then fuck, that's the person I need because I need somebody to sh- shoot it straight. And it's the best way to learn from people that have got that experience as well. As we just explained, explained the minute ago about, or you do rather be about when you get that inner peace and inner feeling, people that aren't sort of month free, they don't know about that. But we are their crystal ball. And it is, it's so true because I've got people that I look up to and I listen to them, I listen to them speak. I've got Sierra from Baddies on the app. I listen to her, this missus. I listen to Drifter. He's uh, six times ahead. I listen to other people. I look at, I look at what they're doing. And when, when I speak to Sarah, Sarah, I love you loads, by the way. When I speak to Sarah I'm, and she tells me what she's getting, what she's doing, general everyday life. And I've not got the feelings that she's feeling, but. I know they come because it's been happening. We've been speaking for about a year. And when she tells me she's doing something, about six months later, that happens to me as well. I think, oh, right, okay, I'll get it now. What Sarah was saying six months ago, that's now happened to me. And even now, when she tells me she's doing something, I think, no, I've not got that yet. But I know that it's coming in six months. You know, just now, all I've got to do now is sort of sit and wait for it to happen. And in six months, I'm like, oh, yeah, Sarah, that's right. It's happened to me now. So, you know. Listening to people from the further down the line is so important because they know it is is your crystal ball. You will be them, you know, further on. So, yeah. I used to be really intimidated to follow people that were further along than me and didn't even want to look at timelines from a year any, any longer than I had been sober, really. And I think that addict voice is just so strong. It'll put up any walls or barriers to prevent you from staying sober. But to follow people that are ahead of you is such solid advice. And it can really help propel you further and past that big thaw. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was impossible. When I, when I first saw it on the app, I saw people like six months sober. Fuck off, no way. There's no way you'd be six months sober. Never. I mean, you scroll for instance, like on a year and then, like, two years. Like, never. That's impossible. That's impossible to be two years in sober. You, you know, but then you're right. You listen to them. Obviously, you understand people are that, but uh, are that far sober. But it's so important just to listen to them. And then it happens to you. When it happens, you think, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jen, you just, you, I know you have to go. So do you want to sign off and let them know? I want you to let our listeners know, and we'll put the link in, uh, what the miraculous, beautiful things that you've started now at your nine-month milestones anniversary for the yeah thank you viv so we we were just talking about you know mental clarity and the whole you know self-fulfillment and everything like that and i've been on a journey of self-discovery and spirituality and awareness and meditation and you know sobriety so i started a blog my username now is growing in grace and gratitude and i'm using that as my north star in my life to move forward and i'm blogging about it because i don't know why but i am so we're we're gonna find out so yeah if we could put that in the notes or whatever for people if they want to check it out that would be awesome no pressure and thanks for having me i really appreciate being asked to do this and i think and I know it'll help a lot of people. So thank you very much. And I'm going to have to run. I'm sorry. No problem. Thank you for your candor. All right. Bye, guys. See you, Lisa. So, so one of the things that I wanted to bring up was what we were talking about with Shiki and, and just also about 
having those moments of down the line or whenever you are after this big thaw. So now you're you're feeling your emotions. Now it, it's becoming feeling a little bit normal. I went through depression, it thrown into depression due, due to an operation. And I didn't know, just like somebody has a postpartum depression, somebody can have a postoperative depression. So I was already at about 14 months sober and I couldn't lift myself up. And I came up to my group and I said, I can't, as of right now, I can't uplift you. So I need for you to turn around and uplift me. And I brought in other people that were on in my timeline. I reached out and I said, I have a group of women that I need help with. And that was the part. That's the biggest part that I want to throw in is I knew it was going to lift because I know that what would take me years to resolve trauma in active addiction would be a much shorter time in sobriety. Because if I feel I can heal and there's no other way but through. Mm -hmm. And the women just rallied around and they just uplifted me like no other messages and everything. But my the real reason that I'm bringing this up is we tend to, when we're going through the big saw, when we're going through crisis, the addict is jockeying our back. We're, you know, it is mounting us and telling us, stay away. You stayed away so long. You've been in shame. How can you reach out for help? The only reason I made it through, and I honestly attribute it to partly because I could write everything, I could write my feelings, but also because my sober coach allowed me to basically have the one-on-one -on -one interaction. Other people had Zoom. Other people had AA. There's no one way to get sober. The message here is talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where, where, whatever kind of recovery you're doing, I mean, I, I, the connection is the main thing. I mean, I, I've not done AA. In fact, saying that, I, I went to my first AA meeting last week after 21 months. Because uh, I'm supporting my friend and I'm not doing anything going because I need it for myself, but I'm going to support her. I don't particularly uh, go along with most AA things, but right. the, the bulk of the AA is there's still connection there. Whatever you think about AA, you still get that connection there. Whereas a group of people that are like-minded, you can still chat and feed off each other. I think whatever, whatever recovery you're doing, and there are more now, more modern ways of doing it, you know, sort of we're learning about the brain, whereas other other forms of recovery, they, they don't learn about the brain. I don't think AA do so much, whereas we do. We learn about more modern science and how our bodies work and most which we spoke about, et cetera, et cetera. But I think fundamentally still the connection is, it really is. You do have to keep some kind of connection with your sober crew, your sober buddies, be it the app, being your ladies' meetings, being what we're doing now, listening to the podcast. You have to keep that for sure. And that doesn't change, I think. I don't think you really, I mean, my, my, my favorite saying is, don't stop working on sobriety because alcohol will never stop working on you. The minute you stop working on sobriety is the minute your little voice in the corner starts doing his press-ups even harder and it comes at you again. So you've got to keep doing it all the time. And you know that when you get to a level when you've been sober for a long time, you know when you've got to start reconnecting a bit more because sometimes you do take your foot, be gas. You do sort of think, oh, I've not spoken to so-and-so, but I've not done yet. And you do sort of generally just slip out a little bit, but you know when you've got to step back in and up your game again. And that's just come down to connect. And I think that's going to be going on for, for me, for sure. Anyway, a long time for now anyway. But connection is key. Yeah, it's like the gym. You don't hit the gym, you're going to lose a muscle. Yeah, use it or you lose it. 100%. 100%. Use it or lose it. I love it. Uh, yeah. Jen, I, I also, Shiki, I wanted to ask real quick. Debunk. How long did your big thaw last? Who, me? To be fair, it, it didn't. I mean, I only had really seven days. I had I had that period of from 112 to 119 I picked up. And then when I picked up the next, very next day, I was fighting my Zooms and I got straight back on. I didn't go back busting the roof to like a level 12 on the scale chart, but I then managed, I then learned to just manage my sevens and my eights. I thought, right, this is life now. Let's manage this. This is good. I'm enjoying this. Let's just be happy and content with the seven and eight and go with the flow. You get my nines and tens, but keep it at seven and eight. So for me, my, my four only lasts really for about a week, but 
it caused me to pick up. And I was at the stage where I could put it down again and get back on the wagon. But there are people that they can get to 100 days, 110 days, 120 days. If they pick up as their fours hit them hard, you don't know where that's going to lead them to. They might not be able to get back on. They might get onto the slippery slope and think they might have got a two, three, four, five day drinking session. I only done the one day. The other people, they could go longer or then what a lot of people do, we see it all the time. They get stuck in that rut of yo-yo. They, I think that's, you know, the yo-yo rut is a bad way. You've got to try and get out of that side. You've got, be, you've got to re-educate yourself again. So I was fortunate enough to recognize it and think that this ain't for me. I've got to really connect again. So for me, it was only seven days. But I think, brothers, if you don't nip it in the bud quick, then it could carry on. And a rotation, right? So, yeah. what, so what would your advice be for someone that, you know, all of a sudden it's on that pink cloud and it just slams them out of <laughs> straight out of nowhere. Well, like I say, the person I'm sort of my friend, Julie, who I'm speaking to now, I'm sort of, I'm, I've already pre-warned her. She's said already that her emotions are slightly changing. And she said as well that she's, she's thinking about drinking, which I can remember as well. Even though I was on the pink cloud, I'm feeling so bloody good. I still kept thinking about drinking, which is bizarre because you feel so good because you're not drinking. But she said to me the other day, she's, you know, all she thinks about now is still about drinking. And, you, and when you're feeling so good, that's not so bad because you can ride out that craving because you feel good. But it's when the feeling of being so good is not there anymore, but the craving for drink still there, that's when you've got the problem. So don't you ask your question. The advice is I'm already saying to her, I'm already pre-warning her now. So look, just to let you know, some things could change. And just make them aware that when it does come, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to be forever. This feeling will pass. I said to you before, you, you swim your emotions, your emotions change. I just advise anybody that if they are going to be feeling a low point, it does start to fall, swim with it, go with it, just, just ride it out. It will come back to a level. All, it, all you're doing is having a correction. You can't be that high all the time. The brine that pink cloud is busting the scale. You're on a 12. You can't stay there forever. Just come back down to earth. Just take a breath. And just it's a correction back to where we all are and where we all want to be on a seven and an eight. So just ride it out and come back down slowly. That's awesome. That is awesome advice, solid advice. Ashley, tell us how long did your big thaw last? I would say mine was a little bit more like situational. And I was given a couple tests with my grandmother passing and hitting that deer. So I would say overall, maybe like over a span of like two to three weeks. And I felt like that thaw period was, I guess, a major crossroads for me. Like, am I going to go through these life events that might be a little more challenging sober, or am I going to go back to drinking? And I chose to say, stay sober and go down that path. And I'm still walking it today. Thank God. Yeah. The best. Yep. And the connection, I honestly urge everyone. Yes. The connection is important. When that addict mind tells you to shut down, go away and isolate, know that in addiction, that is exactly where it thrives. Shame and guilt Mm -hmm. for wanting Mm -hmm. to pick up a drink is not shame. This is where we came from. This is where the addict mind comes from and it's always reinventing itself. Okay. It just doesn't, it's the sobriety that gives us the freedom when we flex more that emotional muscle. So one of the words that my sober coach gave me and I carry with me today, as I was going through the big thaw, one, she told me, Viv, no one ever dies from feelings, even though I felt I was going to. But the other thing that she told me is emotions are like clouds, but you are the whole sky. And I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. Someone said to me as well, who's it might be in one of the books I've read where they say emotions, someone told me emotions are like visitors. They come and they go, you know, just let them in, they'll go again. That's it. It's the human experience. Is there any words of wisdom, Ashley, that you would like to impart to our community or anyone that's listening to this? I think there's I think there's always going to be little funks. I'm just coming out of a little funk right now. And I used to want to punch people in the face when they said this too shall pass, but <laughs> it's really <laughs> not true. It's 
it's always going to pass and you just got to hang in there, use your sober toolbox, lean on your into your community and it will pass. Make yourself as comfortable as possible. Just like have the flu. <laughs> build your toolbox, build your toolbox. Another key one there, build that up. Go on. Yep. Right? Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I am honored. I am grateful to have all of you on here because without you, it just it just would be one perspective. But when we do these, that it's different perspectives. We are not alone. You are not alone. You have community. You have SoberTownPodcast.com, the website with all the sober tools. You have IAS, I Am Sober app that you can download and you'll be on that timeline. And you have all of us in this community that are here to always love and support you with our Zooms and our posts. And, you know, it's all done with love. So any parting words, ladies, gentlemen? thank you thank you so much and i look forward to doing another one we're talking about maybe the moderation monkey <laughs> so we'll see how we'll see when we get that one up and wrapped up but we're doing this with all love and intention for the takeaway to be that you can land on planet earth and it's gonna be all right <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much